the Monkey Mind Podcast, your number one platform for athletes and mental health. Hosted by Danny Perez and Anthony Florentino. This is episode 61 featuring Rob Michael. Rob is a former professional hockey player in the Philadelphia Flyers organization and former teammate of mine at the University of Maine. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Daily Dose CBD Inc. Daily Dose CBD Inc. creates full-spectrum CBD products ranging from tinctures, bombs, and dog treats. Research has shown that CBD has successful results in aiding in the following areas. Anti-inflammation, anxiety, PTSD, help with breaking addiction, neuroprotection, epilepsy, arthritis, chronic pain, and sleeping disorders. Daily Dose makes an extremely safe and effective product that we know you will love, enjoy, and benefit from. Daily Dose has given Monkey Mind listeners 15% off all their orders. Head over to DailyDoseCBDInc.com and use promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off your purchases. That's promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off all your orders at DailyDoseCBDInc.com. All right, Recky, welcome onto the pod. We got Rob Michael, former college teammate of mine over at the University of Maine. Um, yeah, welcome on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And of course, um, long time coming. Excited to have your story shared out to the world, but um, yeah, for everyone listening, if you can just introduce yourself, tell them who you are and your background, sport you played, all that, um, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like you said, name's Rob Michael um, from Syracuse, New York. So growing up playing youth hockey, Syracuse stars. Uh, and then I decided to play high school hockey here in New York uh, for a team called West Genesee. I uh, did that for four years and then things got a little uh, dicey, we'll say. My plan was to go play prep at Lake Placid, uh, Northwood, and, uh, you know, applied to the school, got in and everything, um, you know, was expected to be on the team. And uh, I got a phone call probably the beginning of June, like, oh, we don't have a spot for you anymore. So then it was kind of uh, full scramble mode, just trying to figure out, because that's usually when you do all like the tryouts and all the showcases and stuff, so kind of scrambling there for a bit. Um, you know, I had gotten into a few colleges just in case things didn't work out. So, you know, in the back of my mind, I was kind of ready to kind of give up and, and actually go to RIT was my plan initially. And then uh, my cousin, Sean Lynch, uh, he was trying out for a couple teams up in Canada and we both ended up making one uh, Ottawa junior senators. So that was kind of my next, uh, my next phase was up in Ottawa played uh, two years of junior hockey there and that's kind of where I landed my scholarship in Maine and obviously that's where we crossed paths so I was there for yeah. four years um, and then we were knocked out of the hockey's playoffs our senior year 2019 um, signed a contract with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms which is the Flyers organization so I finished the year with them um, we didn't make playoffs so that ended in May and then um, you know I ended up in Reading Reading Royals in the East Coast uh, for 2019 up until March of 2020. And I think everyone knows kind of what happened after that. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I want you to go back a bit and talk about kind of, um, I guess, like the earlier part of your career and kind of, I think you have a really unique story um, and an awesome story. It's just, I think it's really cool that you were uncertain, applied to college, was going to go to RIT um, and kind of put hockey on the back burner and then gave it a shot and then you were a 21 year old freshman age out of juniors 
played division one and then signed an American league contract after. Um, I feel like that's a rare story. Um, you know, like the uphill climb, the scratching and clawing and, um, you're a hell of a player and you made an unreal career for yourself. And I think that's really cool. I think it's inspirational to a lot of kids who have similar stories to you of being on the cusp of, do I give this a shot? Um, and then deciding to, and then going the whole long, you know, the long haul with it, three years of juniors, sticking it out, you know, top defenseman at, at me and then getting American League. I think it's just a really cool story that you have, you know, getting that American League contract at the end of it all too. So if you can just kind of talk about that, that process of like making the decisions and kind of where your headspace was at and just kind of what, you know, what caused you to persevere through so much to get to where you went. Yeah. I think really it started in high school where I think um, honestly, like I was kind of a late bloomer and I mean, I always had like natural like skill and ability, but um, you know, I wasn't like, I honestly wasn't putting in the work like young, like you see today, like kids, like 10, 12 years old, like, going to gyms and like doing private lessons. I wasn't doing any of that. And so high school hockey was just kind of something like fun for me to do with my buddies. And to me, I was like, well, maybe like my goal was to like realistically to play division three hockey. And I thought that was something to like strive for. So never in my wildest dreams did I think I would make it as far as I did. Um, Yeah. So I think that senior year of high school, like I saw my brother, he went to Northwood in Lake Placid. Um, he ended up committing to Hobart and I thought he was better than me. And I still, to this day, think he was a better hockey player than me, but um, yeah, he, he was, he made it to D3. So I figured, Hey, maybe it's a, it's a shot for me. And, and then when that whole Lake Placid Northwood thing kind of fell through, I was like, well, maybe it's just not meant to be. And, you know, I've always kind of been that, that gritty, like blue collar type player. And that's always kind of been my mentality away from the rink as well. So um, I kind of took it personal when they said, Hey, we don't have a spot for you anymore. And I think that was like the big driving force for me was, um, you know, coming from high school hockey, it's like you said, it's such a road less traveled. You don't hear a lot of people do that, especially in New York. It's not like it's Minnesota high school hockey where it's like, you can go right to college from, from high school. So it was definitely motivating to me when I got turned away from Northwood and I think that's when I really hit me like, Hey, like I'm going to try to like give this a shot. And so I started like training and doing, um, you know, like one-on-one sessions and, and just putting in all this time. And, and I think that's kind of what got me to that next step um, in Ottawa. And uh, I don't know, I think it's definitely a road less travel, but it's not impossible. And that's what I try to tell people is like, if you're good enough and like you put in that work, like, I think you could make it like as far as you want to go, but mm-hmm. at the same time too, you definitely have to be realistic and, and working with kids now and helping out in like camps locally. The big question with parents is like, well, where should my kid play? And like, my answer is always the same to that question is first you need to find a realistic league that you can play in. And then you have to find a team that you're going to play consistently. Like you could go to the U show and play like, half the games not getting noticed like but it, inside they feel good because like oh i'm a ushl player mm-hmm. but like i don't to me that was like eye-opening because i was like oh like i want to play in these big leagues and like the cchl is is a fairly good league i would say one of the top ones in in canada but it's not like the bc or you know what i mean like the ushl so i think being realistic definitely was for me 
what I had to do is just put my head down and grind and then kind of set realistic expectations that I think I was going to play at the University of Maine my first year in Ottawa. No way. You know, my, after my first year, I was looking at like Western New England, um, a couple of like D3 schools, nothing like zero D1 interest. I remember talking to a division once <laughs> I talked to, uh, it was Bowling Green. They came out to one game my first year and we played Carlton place. Um, They're like, they've been one of the top teams in the CC and we got pumped like eight, three. I was like dash four, never heard from them again. I was like, well, <laughs> there goes my shot. Yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> to have it all kind of work out, it was, uh, you know, I'm definitely thankful for, for everyone I've had in my corner and it's been a fun ride for sure. Yeah. No. And one thing I want to say, just to add to what you were saying before about like the blue collar mentality and, um, for those listening who don't know, like Rob Michael's a highly skilled defenseman. So I think he had like a seriously that like skate can walk the line, like highly skilled my, in my opinion. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and I just think that like you're, you had like the perfect storm of ton of skill, but the right mentality that you're going to persevere through anything. And, and like you said, I love what you said about taking it personally, um, I think a lot of people need to start doing that more if, you know, if they want to are serious about their dreams, like you could have easily been like, Oh, okay. Northwood didn't work out. Okay. Like, but no, you took it like, no, like you kidding me. Like you screw like for lack of a better term, you screw me over like this. Like, no, I'm taking this personally. And you mm-hmm. use that, you use that fuel to catapult you in, in your development. And I think that that's awesome. And um, there's something to be said for that. And now, you know, where yeah. you, where you played speaks for itself because of that. And like, not to, I don't want to seem like I'm bashing Northwood because at the end of the day, like I was fresh out of high school, like who knew how I was going to develop and it was kind of a long shot. So I, I definitely can understand it. It's just, yeah, I definitely use that as fuel. And like, I just didn't want to seem like I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm I know. <laughs> hey, I'll join you with you. I mean, I had a list yeah. of people, I had a list of people that on my iPhone notes of that would tell me I'd never played division one Yeah, like in person list. Um, yeah. and I just would look at it every day and I'm happy yeah, that they told me I wouldn't, you know, if they, if they right. told me, yeah, you will. Then I, I, I can, sit, like, I can yeah. relax. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's fuel, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. And like, I don't, I didn't want to be that person that was just like, like, woe is me. Like, Oh, it's just like how it's meant to be. Like I wanted to take control of like my own destiny, like my own fate. And I, and I think like, that's obviously a huge step. Like you can't just obviously sit back and wait for things to happen or, or just sulk that you didn't get this opportunity. Like things are going to like happen, whether like they're going to be out of your control for the most part. And I think you just got to like almost roll with it and just do what you can like control. And then the rest, just take it in stride. Exactly. No. And, and um, we could segue into other topics regarding this, but I'm just saying like, I think those two points are huge too. And then one thing I've realized now that I think I failed to do more so was, both those things and enjoying all, all of it, you know, I, it's not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just important to enjoy the game while you can, because, you know, when it's over, all you look back on is like the great times. You're not going to really, you know, there's, there's some times where it was tough, but when you look back, it's just, it's the best game on earth and you should just enjoy everything that comes with it. So um, you know, right. I, I want to just kind of transition now to your pro experience and um, you know, getting that American league contract, how that felt and, you know, how that experience was playing pro um, obviously pre COVID it messed everything up, but um, how that was for you. Yeah, it was, uh, 
that first uh, couple months in Lehigh were actually were super eye opening. Um, just going from like college to professional, like not having to do classwork and just seeing how like a, a professional hockey player like day in and day out goes about his business. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, definitely eye opening. And I can still remember my uh, my first shift. Um, we were playing um, the Cleveland Monsters. And I got hemmed in for like three minutes in our D zone and they ended up scoring. And I sat for like the rest of that period. I was just like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> it's a good start. Oh my God. And, uh, I was going to say the next game went a little better. I got absolutely rocked by uh, Devante Smith Pelly. He was, he was down like injured. So he was just kind of recovering on a conditioning stint and, uh, I went back to retrieve a puck, came around the corner or came around the net and didn't see him. And he just absolutely lit me up, like knocked the wind out of me. I was just like gasping for air getting back on the bench. But, but uh, yeah, back to your point about like, like actually having fun and like enjoying the game. Like this past, my last season, I guess it was, um, you know, so I, I was kind of riding on a high a bit, like finished the year in Lehigh, you know, feeling good. Um, you know, certain promises were kind of being made about where I would land. Um, I was actually down in Voorhees, New Jersey at their training facility, you know, skating with like their young prospects, lifting, you know, taking advantage of all those opportunities because you never know like when it's going to end or when it's going to be taken from you. So I figured I'm going to dive in head first and uh, yeah, camp came around. I was at rookie camp for Philly and then I was at their main camp on like it was kind of there were two teams and then it was like me and a couple other guys a couple college guys um and I remember on the last day like a couple of the d-men got hurt um with Philly so I got to like skate with one of those teams and like just (laughs) you're almost starstruck a bit like you're playing you're playing with like I went up against Drew a couple times like just I watch you on tv so it definitely like, it definitely you know. takes like a minute or two to be like, all right, I I feel like I kind not kind of belong here, but like I could keep up with you, you know, yeah, like yeah, maybe yeah, not on a consistent basis. But so that was uh, that was such a cool experience. And then I mean, obviously didn't ex- expect to make Philly, and so I got sent down to Lehigh, and then um, a couple of days into camp, I ended up getting sent down to Reading, and that was to me super eye opening, and I don't think I handled it the best that I could have. I think I was similar to that Lake Placid situation where I kind of took it personal where, um, but in this way, I think it was a little bit toxic and, you know, I, I didn't start off the greatest in Reading and it became so goal focused. Like I was all thinking like, like, Oh, like I need to put up these points. Like I need to score these goals. I need to have a good plus minus. Like I need to be on the power play is someone in Philly, like in the stands right now, like I just gave up a goal. Like, how's that going to look? And like, I think my play suffered so much because I was so focused on getting back up rather than just being present and like being task focused and being like in the moment of the game. And like, I was in a very dark place for the first couple months, like questioning my ability and like, seeing other guys get called up over me that I was like, how are these guys getting called up? And like, I think part of it had to do with my, my kind of mentality. And, and a lot of it I figured out later was there's such a business side to 
professional hockey that you don't see, like you really don't see at the college level. And it's the way I look at it is they're looking at you as almost like an investment. Like what's their rate of return on you? Like, are they going to call up the 25, 26 year old college guy or do they want to call up like their draft pick that's 18, 19, 20 years old. So it's, it's a little bit of both there. And I think I don't want to get too deep into the business side of it. Cause I, I know it exists and there's a lot of, uh, you know, backdoor stuff that goes on, but yeah, I think that was definitely eye opening and, and definitely frustrating for me trying to, trying to navigate getting up back up to the HL. So yeah. It's yeah, uh, it's disheartening, is what it is. I mean, yo, hundred percent, because it's such a. I had someone describe this to me in a, in a way that was so like perfect, and it was like, and I'm not trying to like bash anyone or anything, but like, organizations know how much these kids love the game, and know how much they're willing to do for it, and it's uh, it's like exploited, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, like that, and I just. And you, when you experience it firsthand, it, it sucks because you're just like, wow, I really, I'm not even a human being to these guys. And yeah. that's why looking back, I wish I was able to separate like my personal emotions and my feelings of like me as a person from like the game and just be like, whatever about it. But I don't know. Do you, you have like a similar kind of thought process on that or just realizing those kind of things? Yeah. And I think it really hit me like probably mid-December. I was like, who like it got to the point where I was just like, I can't like play. I can't like live like this. I was like, I need to like switch up my mindset completely. And, and I think that's kind of what I did. It became kind of like a fuck you attitude. I don't know if you mind me swearing, but no, no, go ahead. Um, it literally was like, a, am just going to play for me. And like, that's kind of where everything turned around like December on until like March. Like it was just, I didn't care about, like who was watching or what my plus minus was or whatever. And I was just playing to have fun. Like I was messing around. I was doing like stupid shit. Like, and it, like, it started like working. Like I started like putting up points. Things just started happening naturally. Like I felt like I was, I wasn't trying to force anything anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that has a lot to do with just like, like you said, playing for fun. And like, that's why you got into the game in the first place was like to have fun. Like it's for the love of the game, not for, the paycheck or the status or whatever. So yeah, I think once I kind of switched on my mindset and just had that kind of fuck you mentality, it was just, it was all probably one of the best like seasons I've had and probably the most fun I've had. Like we had, we had such a good group and, and once I kind of bought in, that's really when it was just probably the best hockey I've played. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, sometimes I often think back and like, I think I cared too much about hockey you know, I maybe mean, I should have not cared as much about it, and like you said, had fun with it, and just messing around and trying different things, and that's what like you said started to click for you. I think that's when it does. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, now that you're on the other side of it, talk about kind of how um, how that transition's been, and the transition from you know hockey to the real world, I guess, and um, what you've been up to kind of now, and um, kind of how how that process was, how you navigated it, and kind of feelings like leaving the game and kind of shedding that skin. Hmm. Yeah. So once, uh, once the season was canceled in March, um, 
my fiance and I were still staying in Allentown, uh, Pennsylvania. And then our lease was up. So we figured let's go back to Syracuse and we'll figure it out from there. Um, and it was so like uncertain, like no one knew the start date for the next season. It kept getting pushed back and pushed back and you weren't seeing any like HL contracts being signed because if they signed you, it's like guaranteed money. Like they have to pay you regardless if there was a season or not. So you weren't seeing like any AHL contracts come out. So that was the big, uh, I was on a fence with that. Cause I was like, do I just sign in the coast? Do I go back to Reading? Do I explore my options? Um, so I, <laughs> I initially signed with Reading. Uh, I think it was like in June, maybe or July. Um, and then within like the next week or two, the North division completely like canceled for the next year. So I was like, sweet. And then funny enough, I ended up getting engaged in July as well. So that threw another uh, kind of question mark in the mix. Like, do I, like, what do I do? Um, and then I kind of just sat down and kind of reflected, like, do I want to keep kind of chasing the dream? Like I see guys like I know, or like that we know, like Swavely was just grinding, like in the AHL and coast back and forth. And like, talk about like the business side of things, like, he would play a game in Reading or like be ready to go in Reading and like just get a phone call and have to like drive up to like Allentown and like be expected to do that. And they definitely take, take advantage of the location for sure. Like Philly, Reading and Allentown all being within under two hours of each other. So I was like, do I really want to grind out in the coast again? And I like just recently engaged. And so I sat down and I was like, I don't, I played high school hockey. I didn't even think I was going to play D3. Like this is farther than I think anyone thought I would get. And like, I thought I would get, so I just didn't feel like I had anything else to kind of like prove to anyone or myself. And so I kind of made the decision there to just hang them up. And so from there I was, <laughs> I was working at my like cousin's uh, liquor store for a bit. And that was like when I was trying to decide and then I decided and I was like, I got a degree. I might as well use the thing. You know what I mean? So um, I ended up getting an engineering job here in Syracuse and um, it's been pretty good. It's, it's definitely a transition period. And I know I talked to you about this uh, like Instagram post I saw about like high level athletes. And like, once they retire, like you have such like a feel like an emptiness and like you spend your whole life, like searching for these like positive affirmations and getting these trophies and awards and, and whatever and to just have that all gone you have such like this pit in your stomach and like you just feel lost like something's missing and so for me and I've always been this type of person where I need like structure like the planners we got in like high school and like college like mm -hmm. I would I would like chart them out and do grids and like my whole day would be planned for like half hour intervals and so mm -hmm once I stopped playing, I was like, I, that was kind of my like escape. I was like, I need to like figure out something to do. So now I was, um, I've actually decided to try to do an Ironman. And I don't know if for those that don't know, it's a full one is like a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and then a marathon. My workout schedule is like, blocked out. I have all like my work that I have to do like blocked out. 
So I think for me, it was like, I need to like kind of fill that void with something like positive. You know what I mean? Cause I think mm-hmm. that's where you can get some dangerous stuff is you can kind of turn and find like these vices of whatever, like yeah. things you don't want to be doing to kind of fill that void. So mm-hmm. I say that and I, I've started a bourbon channel with my brother, so I don't know how much, <laughs> how much that counts, but no, uh, yeah, the Ironman's been good and I've, and I've been, uh, it's funny because as hockey players, like we don't train, like I'm not a runner at all. Yeah. Like we do sprints, but like I couldn't, I remember starting and I like, I could barely do a mile without being just like absolutely gassed. Yeah. Like chest on fire. And I, I never learned to swim either. So the whole thing's just been like, it's fun. Cause I, I get, you can like fall in love with, all over again with like the process of like learning something new, like back with hockey, like learning new skills and, and whatever stuff like that. It's like, it's like a new thing for me to kind of deep dive in. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it's been a weird transition to answer your question and yeah. long answer from like retiring to now, like trying to find a new, like, hobby to kind of fill that void has been challenging to say the least yeah man that emptiness is like it's like no other um yeah. like i it's literally i think the worst feeling ever just mm-hmm. um because something that you've done your whole life it's been your whole identity it's who you are um which is actually dangerous looking back like, i mean mm-hmm. sports psychologists talk about it all the time like separating yourself from the game and like don't yep. identify yourself but it's hard when literally everything is surrounded by this sport and people come into your life because of it. Things happen in your life and you, your path and your, your location, like there's so much happens because of this sport and you do so much for it that to just be like, Oh, it's over. It's like not an easy transition at all. And it's like that huge void is just it's heavy, man. And like you said, like you got to fill that time. And um, I think one of the biggest things I tell kids is like, do other stuff now while you're still playing. Like explore other stuff now too on the side. Just have fun. So that way when it is over, you're not scrambling. Like at first example, I was, I was like throwing shit at a wall and seeing what sticks as far as like things I like to do, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. and I'm just like in scramble mode trying to do everything. I'm just like, holy smokes. Like what? I mean, it's like, I think it's just important for people to kind of um, don't be just a hockey player. I mean, try and do other stuff. Cause um, yeah, especially like you said, like early on, because like once you get even to like the junior level, I mean, you do you probably have a fair amount of time. Junior hockey, just you can even then still explore like different things, like pick up an instrument, take a class, whatever. But like once you get to the college level, like good luck. Exactly. Like you're not you won't have the time. And then mm-hmm. from there, it's like you're it's all hockey all the time. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, definitely start start early to pick up on uh, something. So at least when you're when you're done, you have, uh, you know, a different kind of avenue to explore. Mm-hmm. And I, find, I feel like a hypocrite saying that because, like, I mean, I was all in. And I think that's the reason why I ended up getting to where I got. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But um, you, need some, you need something just to kind of get your – turn your brain off for a little bit, you know. Um, yeah. And I, we didn't – we barely even talk, talked about this. But um, you're an engineering major in college. Talk about, you know, how you handle that too. That's another – immense amount of stress i mean i'd see you on the bus after games it's like two in the morning and you're on your computer coding and i was getting a headache looking at you do the work <laughs> but yeah, i'm also yeah. completely on the other side of the school spectrum but talk about that 
yeah, I definitely didn't have the, uh, the normal college experience. I wouldn't say, um, yeah, between the, the time commitment of a division one schedule and then the course load of a electrical engineering degree, like I said, I pretty much had to be structured. I wouldn't say <laughs> I'm normally a structured person, but like you, I had to be just to like stay afloat. And I think the first like two months of freshman year, I was like at my breaking point. Like, especially being a 21 year old freshman, like we played junior hockey for two years. Like I took like one class a semester to stay like part-time in juniors just to like knock out gen eds, but going to that full jump full-time plus hockey, like I was like taking like Calc one and two physics, chemistry for engineers. Like it was, I was so overwhelmed and I actually watched your interview with uh, Schmitty and like one thing I would say is like, know what's available to you. Like I didn't even know we had a, a psychologist like in the health center. Like we, like we had Chrissy, um, but we didn't have like Doc Wally at the time either. Yeah. But like, if we had, like, would I have reached out? I don't know. Like, I think learning about all these things after the fact, I'm really mad at myself for not reaching out for like help. Yeah. But you can't beat yourself up for it too. Because I, one thing I will say, I mean, they, they, we had no clue. Hmm. Like I remember going up to a therapy session and uh, I look at the building. And I was like, it's like, go to this building. I, someone said, I, I guess the therapist was like, yeah, it, I'm in this building. I'm like, where is this building? Bro, it's right next to the softball field on campus. And we walked by it every single day going to practice. And we had no clue. No. And I'm like, where is this building? And I'm going, I'm like, what? It's been here the whole time. <laughs> I pulled up like the map. Of the yeah, exactly. Campus. I'm just like, so that's why you can't beat yourself up for it. And, yeah. But it's just like, yeah, I mean, um, it's funny too that you say because I had no clue that you kind of had these, uh, you know, because you're someone that not hides it, but you're very composed, I'd say. And um, you carry yourself in a, you know, certain demeanor. And um, so I just never figured that like, oh, like Racky could, you know, use some support. It's funny, but um, because I'm very outward yeah. about it, but you are, you're quieter about it. I don't know. Yeah, I definitely hide the, that side of me a bit and try to like put up that false front a bit. But I've been, I was really fortunate enough just to have like, like my parents and my girlfriend at the time um, and just like buddies from high school that I could kind of reach out to. But I've always been that kind of person that was like, I never asked for help. I was like, I can figure it out. Like I have a very hard time asking for help even now. And I know it, but so like going to school, I was like, I'm not like, I wasn't talking to any of my classmates. Like I wasn't getting any tutors, like using my resources at all. And so I think that was another big switch for me. It was like, I need to be okay asking like for help on like an emotional side as well as like in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So I definitely, that was a big like step for me. And especially with my grades too, like I, I remember second semester, like I got a tutor, like I started like talking with classmates, like meeting up for like study sessions and like helping with homework and, and even going to the professor too. Like I, I, I was so afraid to like talk to my professors. I don't like it's, I get, it might be a little different for engineering. Cause they're all, a lot of them were like, foreign and like had accents but like and they seem like they put up like this like robotic front but they're like they're just people like they're there to help yeah. you like and, and you shouldn't be afraid to like ask them for help yeah you know i agree uh, how did you seek help 
from an emotional standpoint? Yeah. So I, uh, especially when Doc Wally, when Doc Wally like hopped on board, he definitely helped me a bit with at least on the ice emotionally. Like I used to take like the dumbest penalties and like I would get super heated and, and get rattled pretty easily. Um, so the big thing was like kind of the three, uh, words or phrases to kind of like recenter you. And I can still remember mine. It was sprint swagger, uh, and shoot. And like, to those points, like swagger was my big one is like, when I'm playing with confidence, I feel like I have like this swagger, like Mm -hmm. I can like do anything. So I think he definitely helped me kind of like center myself and, and get back to like, I know he used like grounding, like ground yourself, like be in the moment. So he definitely helped me a ton with, with my emotions on the ice. Yeah. Doc Wally was huge. Um, I think he helped me out immensely as well. I think he, he was good at tailoring to each person um, mm-hmm. what, what works best for them. Um, Cause for me, it was about like a bunch of off ice stuff for you. It was kind of your, your on ice emotional stuff. But um, I mean, it's awesome that he, he was part of the team and I think more, schools and uh programs you know get people like that on board um because they can really be beneficial um and like even on your platform alone like i feel like i've seen so many guys come on and like you get so involved with so many different teams and like it it can only help like i don't see i don't see why you wouldn't want that for your student athlete like someone who can like understands what you're going through and kind of tailor like a program to help you like perform better on yep. the ice or in the classroom or just functioning like normal. Like I, I don't mm-hmm. see how, how that wouldn't help. So yeah, I'm definitely a big advocate of like what he does hundred percent. Oh, no doubt. Um, like you said, the overwhelming part, there's so much going on in college. I mean, I can't even imagine you. I was overwhelmed. I was just a communications major <laughs> and you, I can't even imagine how you felt, you know what I mean? But it's like, yeah. but I was more vocal about it and I was like all over the place. You were calm, cool, collected and just like, damn. I was just bottling it up. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, if you had any piece of advice to give anybody that was is going through, you know, that transition phase or um, <clears throat> kind of anything like along the path of your story, like someone who's deciding whether to play junior or someone who's going through a tough time emotionally or feeling overwhelmed um, or just some piece of advice that you would have wanted to know kind of at your, at your low points, what would that be? Uh, yeah, I'd probably say two things. And I kind of re- touched on both of them, but like, no, like, don't be afraid to like ask for help. And I know that's such like a big theme for like what you're trying to do here. And, but it's so simple, but it's for some reason so hard to do. And I know firsthand and like, just knowing what resources are available to you, like your student advisor or like a psychologist or like Doc Wally or like a peer, like it's so simple, but it just, I feel like it needs to, keep being said so that it's understood because I knew that, but I refuse to do it. It takes Mm -hmm. a bit and like a little bit of courage and like humility to be like, all right, I need to ask for help. So I think that would be the one, one big thing. And then probably the second thing would be back to just the having the fun aspect of like doing what you're doing. Like there should be some level of like enjoyment and fun that you get out of what you're doing, whether that's a sport or a job or hobby or what have you. So like, if you're not having fun, like you're in it for the wrong reason, I think, because it's just not enjoyable. Like 
you should be having fun. So I'd say keep doing what you're doing if you're having fun. And then once that kind of fun dies down or you're just not into it anymore, like maybe it's time to like explore a new avenue. Yeah. I love it. That's perfect. Um, and that's really good advice, Rec. Um, but yeah. And also if you want to give a quick shot before we, uh, before we finish up here, brothers bottled and bond <laughs> your YouTube channel. Talk about it. Yeah. We're uh, yeah. So my, my brother's down in Georgia. So I, I see him like one or two times a year, but you know, we're, we've always been close and I like to stay in touch. And he, uh, he's made his full transformation to a, a Southerner. He has a gun, has a dog, has a truck, <laughs> drinks bourbon. So he kind of got me into, into bourbon and I figured, Hey, let's, let's kind of start a, a bourbon uh, YouTube channel. So yeah, we've, uh, we've only done a few and it's just something honestly for us to kind of really just hang out and we figured might as well throw it up on YouTube us being kind of kind of idiots so yeah we're uh brothers bottled and bond yeah anyone's interested check it out they know what they're talking about they use words <laughs> like they use words like notes and oak notes <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no Recky, it was a it was a pleasure having you on um thank you so much for taking the time to come on and tell your story and just being open and vulnerable I know it's like you said it's not easy but um it's greatly appreciated I know there's gonna be a lot of people out there who are gonna listen and you know these messages are going to resonate with them so uh, it's going to help out a lot of people um so thank you i appreciate you taking the time to come on here and talk yeah thanks for having me Dan. <laughs>